all our cares upon him for he careth for us and what a blessing uh, that song was this morning trust it was an encouragement uh, to you sure looking forward to this morning uh, of course uh, uh, immediately after the morning service uh, we'll be during the invitation kind of getting ready uh, for a baptism this morning and so excited to have uh, Miss Jean Wiseman going to follow the Lord in baptism glad she's here uh, this morning, I did just want to mention one more thing. Uh, don't forget about if you uh, are interested in going into uh, going to the uh, church hayride and cookout this coming uh, Friday. Uh, there's a sign up sheet in the outer foyer uh, that you just uh, want to ask if you plan on doing that to sign up. That way, we know how many are coming. And then there's also some different items and things you can help us out uh, with. And uh, of course, we always have it over at. Uh, brother and sister uh, Watson's uh, place there uh, over in Gardner. And uh, if you plan on driving a personal vehicle over there, uh, I guess, you know, you can. Uh, uh, you'll need to get the address from Brother Eric Watson and his family. But we do take uh, buses from the church, uh, bus from the church over to there to just kind of eliminate a lot of the traffic and things like that. And so if you'd like to ride the bus, we're going to be leaving the church building uh, at 6.30 uh, in the evening. And so again, just want to make sure that you're aware of those things. And all that's out there uh, as well as in the bulletins uh, that we'll be handing out this morning. But just wanted to invite you to come to that, not only to come to that, but to make sure to sign up the sign-up sheets. That way we know uh, that you're coming. Well, it's good to be in the Lord's house. Amen. And excited about the day uh, today. Tell you what, let's all stand uh, this morning. We're going to get ready to sing our congregation. But as we do, let's open up in a word of prayer uh, this morning. I'm going to ask Brother Alan Quinlan if you would pray for us this morning.
Amen. I'm going to ask you if you would turn to page 444. Page 444 this morning. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. We'll sing all verses as we begin together this morning. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, perfect delight. Visions of rapture now burst on my side. Angels descending bring from above. Echoes of mercy, whispers of love. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Perfect submission, all is at rest. I and my Savior am happy and blessed. Watching and waiting, looking above. Filled with His goodness, lost in His love. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story, this is my song, praising my Savior all the day long. Amen. Page 325 now. Page number 325. Aren't you thankful you're saved this morning? If you're saved, say amen. Let's sing it out. Saved, saved, I found a friend. I found a friend who is all to me. His love is ever true.
Let's get around, shake hands together this morning. Good to see each one of you here. Glad some are visiting back with us again today. Page 325, let's sing it out on that chorus. Saved by his power, saved by his power divine, saved to new life sublime. Life now is sweet and my joy is complete, for I'm saved, saved, saved. I love that third verse, it says, when poor and needy and all alone, In love, he came to me. He said to me, come unto me and I'll lead you home to live with me eternally. What a promise, amen. Let's sing it out on that last verse. When poor and needy and all alone in love, he said to me, come unto me and I'll lead you. To live with me eternally Saved by his power divine Saved to new life sublime Life now is sweet and my joy is complete For I'm saved, saved, saved Amen Brother Tim come for the offering, I'd like to read to you from Psalm 126, verse 3. He says, The Lord hath done great things for us, whereof we are glad. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Brother Will Kennedy, would you pray for the offering this morning?
Amen. You may be seated. Ladies, let's turn to page 693. If you would stand one last time for page 693, what a day that will be. We'll sing both verses this morning. <laughs> sing it out on that first. There is coming a day when no heartache shall come. No more clouds in the sky. No more tears to dim the eye. All is peace forevermore on that happy golden shore. What a day, glorious day that will be. What a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. And I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, what a day, glorious day that will be. There'll be no sorrow there, no more burdens to bear, no more sickness, no pain, no more parting over there. And What a day, glorious day, that will be. What a day that will be, when my Jesus I shall see. And I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day, that will be. What a day that will be, when my Jesus I shall see. And I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand. And leads me through the promised land. What a day, glorious day, that will be. Somebody say amen today. Amen. You may be seated. Great singing this morning. But before the message, we're going to have Madison Stewart sing a special this morning. 
faithful. Amen. What a blessing. Well, I'm telling you, before you can know His faithfulness, you got to be saved. Amen. And uh, that's what we're going to be looking at uh, this morning. Now, if you're already saved, you got an extra hour of sleep, so you can't snooze on this one, all right? But rather rejoice in your salvation. Amen. And so let's all stand this morning in honor of, of God's Word and turn with me to the book of Romans and and chapter uh, number five. Now, if you've been uh, in the messages and, and you haven't discovered this already, you will certainly discover it this morning. But I, I, would, I would say to you that there are moments where the book of Romans can be very deep. And I believe you will certainly see that uh, evidence of that this morning as we look at our text. But Romans chapter number five, and we, we looked at last week, we know this. Praise God for the love of God, amen, that God commendeth His love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But look at verse number 12, and this is where we're going to pick up at. And the Bible goes on to say this, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but Sin was not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression, who is the figure of him that was to come. But now, as the offense, so also is the free gift. Somebody say amen for that. For if, now watch this, notice the contrast. He says, for if through the offense of one many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. Now, if you be part of the many, praise God this morning. And notice he goes on and, and says this in verse 16, And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more they which receive 
abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. What a blessing. Look at verse number 18. Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's uh, disobedience, many were made sinners, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. Oh, but where sin abound, grace did much more abound. That, that, that as sin, now watch this, that as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. That's some stuff, isn't it? I mean, some deep stuff. And you're going, what does all that mean? Well, we'll get to that. But, but here's what I, this is what I believe is, is going on. I, I believe this. I believe the main thought of the text is this, is that Paul, Paul is challenging, well, well, even this, the Holy Spirit of God, who is ultimately the author, is challenging the reader and, and really posing the question of this. Have you been justified? Have you been justified through Jesus Christ? Because that's the only way that man is going to be found righteous before God and thus obtain eternal life. And so there, there are some, obviously, some very complicated uh, arguments and, and statements that are made here. We'll explain this, but ultimately I believe this. Paul is dealing with the subject of salvation and challenging us this morning to make sure that you and I have been saved. And so if you've been saved this morning, praise God, and you and I ought to rejoice in some of these things. But if there's never been a time and place where you've called upon the name of the Lord, today needs to be the day of salvation. Today. Father, would you bless the preaching in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I, I did. I, I titled the message, Have You Been Justified? And, I, and, and here's why I, I do that. Because I, I really, I believe this. I, I think that, uh, if I could say it like this, I, I believe Paul goes back to, maybe we could put it like this, the title subject of the chapter, which is justification. Here's why I say that. Look at verse number 1 of chapter 5. He says, Therefore, being justified by faith. So you and I are justified by faith, right? Look at verse number nine there uh, in the text, uh, down just a little further in the same chapter. He says, moreover, uh, then being now justified by his blood, talking about the, the blood of Jesus Christ. And we saw this uh, last week. And you can even look at verses 10 and, and 11 that say, for if, uh, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God, by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And notice this, by whom we have now received the, the atonement. And so you see these other two uh, words here, reconciled in verse 10, and atonement in verse number 11. And really, those uh, also circulate around the term 
of being justified or justification because reconciled means this. It means to restore uh, a relationship uh, back together that was at odds with one another. So to be reconciled uh, to one another, to bring two parties together. And atonement has to do with basically this, the substitutionary death of Jesus Christ by which we can be reconciled. Is everybody getting this? So, so watch this. The point being is this, okay? That God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so if you and I come to him by faith, then therefore, according to the scriptures, we are, we are justified. And so where our sin put us at odds with a holy and righteous God, we can now be right with God and have a relationship with him. And this, this is all because of justification, which uh, also is once again brought out in our text uh, that you and I read this morning at the end of verse number 16. I don't want to read all the way down through here again, but notice at the end of verse number 16, he says, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. There it is again. And at the end of verse number 18, it says this, even so by the righteousness of one, uh, the free gift came upon all men unto the justification of life. So this term justification it starts out the chapter and it goes all the way through the chapter. And what Paul is doing is he is returning once again to that subject. Justified. Justification. It's a legal term. It's used in the court of law. It just simply means this, not guilty. Um, it's the idea of you and I uh, as believers being declared not guilty before God. As one person said it like this, justified is just as if I'd never sinned. What, what a great uh, phrase there. And I, I always tell people this. If you're going to study the Bible, then number one, gets you an authorized King James Version of the Bible. Number two, gets you a Strong's Concordance. But then number three, gets you a Webster's 1828 Dictionary. And in fact, I like what Brother Noah, how he uh, dis- defines the term or the word uh, justification. He says this, listen to this. In theology, it is the remission, the forgiveness of sin, and absolution from guilt <laughs> and punishment. Or, or, or it, it's an act, listen to this, of free grace by which God pardons the sinner and accepts him as righteous on account of the atonement of Jesus Christ. Wonder where he got that definition from. Kind of like he was studying Romans chapter 5, wasn't it? Uh, in his little book, Basic Bible Truths, Lester Hudson, um, he gives really a simple illustration to demonstrate just what it means to literally be justified. He says this, he says, If I drive 50 miles per hour through a 15 mile an hour school zone, I have violated the law of the land. And if a police officer catches me doing this, he has the authority and right to issue me a citation and to throw me in jail. And in such case, I am condemned by the law. And he goes on to say this. Now let's say that I am called and I am apprehended by the police officer and I I appear in court and I'm found guilty of breaking the law 
and then I'm condemned, and the judge issues me my sentence and says that you have to pay a $1,000 fine or 60 days in jail, he says, I have a problem because I do not have that kind of money lying around, and so therefore, off to jail I go. However, as I'm being escorted out by the bailiffs, someone from the audience stands up and pays the fine that I could not pay. I agree to accept his payment on my behalf, and as a result, I go free. And now, listen to this, I am justified with the law. It's not that I ever broke the law, it's that I did break the law. However, someone paid my fine, allowing me to now be declared not guilty. Is anybody getting this illustration? What what, What I believe Brother Lester Hudson will say, and what I'm saying to you this morning is this, is that that's exactly what Jesus Christ done for us in salvation. Please get this. He was the man in the audience willing to pay our fine. You understand what I'm saying? It is God, listen to this, it is God motivated by His great love that He would send His Son to die for us and that we are the sinners, that we are the criminals who are guilty before Him uh, under condemnation because we have broken His law. However, He made the atonement for us. And so you understand, friend, he shed his blood. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. So he made the atonement for us. And when you and I come to him by faith, receiving him, we are declared not guilty, justified before God and reconciled unto him. What a blessing that that is. Now, here's the thing. In our text this morning, and the reason that I wanted to get you to uh, see all of that is because beginning in verse number 12, it picks up with the word wherefore, okay? And the idea is this, is that Paul is basically going back to that same thought of being justified and he is going at another angle of the subject of justification so that you and I can see this. And really, if you've never been saved, it is to challenge you on this subject. And, and so let, let's, let's look here uh, at verse number, number 12 here. I want you to see this. And this, this is basically how I put it. Now, not, the first thing I notice is this, is that not only does Paul revisit our problem with sin because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, right? Romans 3.23. But he also gives us what I would call is the proof of the problem. Look at verse number 12. He says, Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin. Catch that? And he goes on and says, So death passed upon all men, for that, for that all have sinned. Now, now as, as, you and I, as you and I know, Paul's been uh, dealing with the Jewish believers in Rome uh, throughout this little epistle here. But beginning in verse number 12, He goes back to the example, and if you don't know this, this is Adam in Genesis. This is the one man by whom sin entered into the world. Let me just make a side note here, okay? Guys, listen listen to this. It was Eve that was tempted by Satan, who, by the way, twisted the Word of God. Well, I don't have time to deal with with all of that, but, but I will say this. He attacked the Word of God by putting a question mark where God put a period. 
And so we understand that. But it was Eve that was tempted, and she gave, she then gave in and then offered it to Adam. However, men, listen to this. It was Adam that was held responsible because men are required by God to be the leaders in their home. And the reason that I bring that out is because this is something that you and I need to be challenged on this morning, you know, regarding spiritual things because it seems like in our day and time, it is often the women that are taking the initiative in spiritual things while grown men sit around and act like children. And I'm saying to you this, that men, we are to be men and we are to lead our family in following Jesus Christ because if Adam was held accountable, then mark it down, one day you and I are going to give an account for those things. All right, well, you can be quiet on me if you want to, but I'm just giving you the truth. Do you understand that, men? I'm telling you, we need to be challenged on that, and we do need to understand this. But here's what Paul was getting at, is that it was Adam that brought sin into the world. And as the descendants of Adam, which we are all, that makes us all sinners, all have sinned. But watch this, the proof that all have sinned is this, is that death has passed upon all men, because the wages of sin is death. It's the result. What I'm saying to you this morning is this, is that all men are sinners. And if you want proof of that, then look in the mirror. I don't mean to be the doom, you know, the doom and gloom this morning, but guess what? If you don't know this or not, we're all dying. You know why? Because we're all sinners. And, and oh, oh, and, and since you are dying because you are a sinner, then therefore that explains that you need to be justified by the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's what Paul is is getting at in here because here's the thing, without him you are condemned already, Jesus said, meaning this, that you you are already guilty before God in your sin and you will stand before him and you will be judged and you will be cast into the lake of fire for all eternity, a place of fire and torment and the absolute absence of God Almighty. But here's why. Now watch this. Here's why I believe that Paul is revisiting this and coming at this uh, from the angle of Adam. It's because men are sinners. And, the re- and, and listen, and as sinners, l- listen to this, we're always looking for loopholes. We're always looking for it. In fact, we're always looking for loopholes to justify our own selves or to avoid making a decision about Jesus Christ. Okay. I'm just that's exactly what we do. So here's what Paul does by going back to Adam. Here's what he does. Look look at this. Look at look at verse number 13. He says for until the law sin was in the world, but sin was not imputed when there is no law when there is no law nevertheless listen to this death reigned from adam to moses and here's what i believe he's pointing out he's saying this you can't plead ignorance you can't plead ignorance well, well explain that preacher and again and again perhaps the jews here in rome are the target target audience because paul brings up the old testament law and moses all right but but also remember this the law is a list of the commandments of God to His people. All right? It's chock full of thou shalt, but also thou shalt not. Right? It's chock full 
of those things. If we could say it like this, watch this. It is the standard of God's holiness that He requires of man. Okay? And so what He's saying, now watch this. When Moses was given the law of God on Mount Sinai, sin became something that was pinpointed with great accuracy. All right? As Paul points out in verse number 13, he says this, that before the law, sin was not imputed. And what that means is this, is that it was not accounted for. Okay? Now, you got to understand that when, even, even with, when Noah and his family came off the ark, and they were the only families upon the face of the earth, even then, they didn't have the law, but God gave them some very general practical things and how they should govern themselves. Kind of something like this. Don't kill one another. Pretty simple, isn't it? I mean, that's that, but that's what, that's, that's what he did, okay? But, but, here, but here's the thing you and I have to understand, and, and please catch this. From Adam, from Adam all the way to Moses, did you know this? There was no written word. There was no written word of God. Is everybody catching that? And so therefore, man was basically ignorant of, of, of the law, um, um, the Ten Commandments, things that you and I would know today from the Old Testament. Man was basically ignorant of those things. But, but notice also verse number 14, because he says this, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam uh, to Moses. And so what he's saying is this, is that despite Despite the ignorance of sin, man was still considered a sinner before God. Okay, preacher, how do you know that? Here's how, because everybody died. And death is a proof that you and I are sinners. Is I catching that? So what, what, what I'm saying, now, now here's the thing. Now, now you, listen, so here's this show, what he's showing us is this, is that nobody can plead ignorance. Now I listen. I know this crowd here, and we would never we would never be like the Jews and, and look for a loophole. <laughs> Some way to pass the buck to God on this scenario. Now the truth is, we do. But you now listen. But here's what I want you to chew on. There's a couple of things here. You ready? Number one is something that we brought out in Romans chapter 1, and that is this, is that there were at least two times on planet earth where all men on the earth knew the truth of God. It was when God created Adam and Eve, and it was when Noah and his family got off the ark. Everybody knew the truth of God. And the responsibility was this, is that you were to believe that truth and you were to live according to that truth. But what happened is man is a sinner. And generation after generation after generation would reject God and reject God and reject God and descend in, in, descend in wickedness and immorality, just like Romans chapter 1 uh, deals with. So, but here's the second thing. Though man didn't have the law between Adam and Moses, he actually did. It was written upon his heart. Because in Romans chapter 2, 
God, uh, Paul brings out the conscience of man. That it's the law of God written upon his heart. And so therefore, when man goes against that conscience, that, that conscience uh, that's within him, and he breaks the law of God that's written upon his heart, he feels guilty and understands that he's guilty before God. I'm just listening. I, I always tell this story about, you know, when I was a, a kid and I loved baseball cards and, and I wasn't saved and I wasn't in church and I went to the pharmacy at the drugstore with my grandma and while she's back there getting her prescription, I'm looking at the baseball cards and I reach out and grab a pack and I put it in my back pocket and I never pay for it. I stole it. And we walked out of the store and I'm walking through the parking lot and I'm looking at my shoulder and waiting on the FBI helicopters to swarm in and the National Guard tanks to roll through the parking lot and sirens to go off and law enforcement come rushing in from everywhere and none of that happened. And I got in the back seat of the car and we're going to the house and you would have thought the further that I got away from there, the more that the load and the burden would have lightened and I would have been great because I got away with it, but that's not at all what happened. The further away we got, the worse I felt. The sicker I got and the sicker I got in my stomach. You know why? Because I was guilty. I felt guilty. Now here's the thing. I wasn't saved. That wasn't the Holy Spirit of God. That was my conscience bearing witness against me, friend, that I had broken the law of God. And what Paul is saying is this, is that from Adam to Moses, they didn't have the law, but they understood that it was written upon their hearts that they were sinners, and death is a proof of their sin. And therefore, they have no excuse to stand before God and plead ignorance. Just like you and I this morning, we have no excuse when we stand before God to plead that I was ignorant. No, you're not, friend. You've been sitting in a place that preaches the gospel day in and day out. And, and, and listen, in every service, we're, we're giving the gospel of Jesus Christ and that man can only be justified through his blood. I'm telling you this morning, there is no excuse when you stand before God. And by the way, I'm tired of hearing this. Why do you always preach the gospel? Why would we not always preach the gospel? Why would we especially not preach the gospel on Sunday morning when typically that's when people come in and they're looking for truth and they're wanting answers to life and the answer to life is faith in Jesus Christ. And God doesn't want you to be ignorant of that. That's why He would lead Paul to write the epistle of Rome to Rome. That's why He's given us churches and called men of God to preach. Because he wants you to be saved. But here's the other thing. See, there's more than just that excuse. Here's another one. Well, you know, it was the environment that I was raised in. Well, here's what Paul's going to say. Not really. It's the choices that you make. In fact, notice notice in verse number, oh, let's look at verse number 14 that he brings out. Look at what he says. He says, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned, watch this, after the similitude of Adam's transgression. You see, most, most all of us that are here this morning, we probably know the story of, well, Adam's transgression right here. All right, we, we understand God created uh, Adam in his own image, placed him in the Garden of Eden, gave him one commandment. 
Thou shalt not partake of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And, and Adam had a perfect, if we could say it like this, a perfect environment in only one commandment. Those were the good old days. <laughs> However, he broke that commandment and was found guilty and sentenced to die as a result of it. But then notice, after mentioning that death reigned from Adam to Moses, Paul also mentions that they died even though they didn't sin after the similitude of Adam. Listen, the reality is this. Nobody can sin after the similitude of Adam because nobody was allowed back in the Garden of Eden. So we understand that. But the greater thought here is to confront man on his excuses. I want you to look up here for a minute, please, and listen to this. We are living in a culture where man loves to paint himself out as the victim. Shift the blame. Even Adam, even Adam, when he was confronted by God, when God came into the garden, where art thou, Adam? He knew where he was at. He's confronting him. But even Adam said this, the woman that thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. In the Hebrew, here's what that means. It was her fault. Uh, it was your fault because you gave her to me. Well, look, look, I, I, please understand, I get, I get environments and influences. I understand that. I, I, and I know this, for me, as a, as a child of, of God wanting to grow in my faith, I know this, that sometimes we can look at those things to help us identify why it is we do the way we, the things we do or act the way we act. I get all of that. But ultimately, please listen to this, they cannot be our excuses to justify the things we do or to act the way we act, especially when it comes to the spiritual realm and our God. Because Adam shows us, please listen to this, Adam shows us that man can be given a perfect environment and only one responsibility, and he'll still blow it. You know why? Because we be sinners. Because we're sinners. I, listen, I, I'm telling you this morning, and I would venture to say that you can even go back in your mind's eye and think of things like this, because I've seen people in the worst environments come out of those and live a godly, righteous life for God. You know why? Here's why. Because they took responsibility for their own sin. They humbled themselves and they put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And they begin to make choices based upon the Word of God. That's why. But at the same time, I have known people in the greatest environments, dare I say godly environments, like being raised in a church or a Christian home or in a Christian school, and they come out of those things, and their life is all kinds of turmoil. Why is that? Because it's everybody else's fault, and it's God's fault, and they shift the blame in their pride, and they make themselves out to be the victim, friend. When I'm saying to you, friend, what they need to do is humble themselves and come to Jesus Christ. 
You need to catch this this morning. You are not a product of your environment. You're a product of your choices. And you can sit here this morning and you can ignore the truth that you are a sinner who is dying and who needs to be justified through the blood of Jesus Christ, but ignoring it is also a decision. Or you can realize that in God's Word, He's shutting the door on every loophole you're looking for. And the truth of the matter is, you can sit here and wrestle with it in your heart and mind. But there are no excuses. There's no... There, there's not going to be any, well, I just, I'll plead ignorant. Or, or well, I'll just, I'll just shift the blame. And God, you don't understand the environment. No, He does understand. But you're hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ this morning because He loves you and He wants you to be saved. Amen. And the greatest thing that you could ever do is bow the heart and come to Jesus Christ by faith and receive Him. Romans 10, 9 and 10. What a blessing that is. <laughs> that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. What a blessing. Glad the Lord gave me that because I meant to put it in my notes this morning and I forgot. That's all right. God took care of it. Now let me tell you something else that's really awesome. So not only does Paul give us the proof for the problem, but here's the other thing. He gives us the picture for the problem. What do, you, what do you mean by that? Well, look at the end of verse number 14. So while he's speaking on Adam, look at what he says at the end of verse number 14. He says, who is the figure of him that was to come? Who do you think that is? That's Jesus Christ. I like the past tense, who was to come. Because he already came. And he's coming again. But I, this is interesting. If you'll notice, at the beginning of verse number 13, there's a parenthesis. Okay? And it goes all the way down to the end of verse number 17. So it's this long parenthetical statement. But the reason it's kind of a parenthetical statement here, passage, is because at the end of verse number 14, as Paul delves into the subject of Adam and confronts, the, confronts mankind on their need to be saved, he then begins to show how Adam... How if you, if, you, if you look at Adam, there's a picture, if you will, of Jesus Christ. There's actually these, these contrasts that, that he makes. And in other words, it's almost like, it's like Adam is on this side and, and Jesus is on this side. And though they are opposites in some ways, they're similar in some ways. And that's really what the phrase, if you'll notice, it's kind of a, confusing phrase here, but it says in verse 15, but not as, and then in verse 16, and not as, and that phrase there, not as, is, is kind of the idea of a contrast. And that's what he begins to do here. And he begins to contrast and give these things. So let's go down through here and point some of these things out. So look at verse number 15. He says this, he says, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, many be dead, much more the grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, who hath abounded unto many. Okay? So there are two. Now watch this. Stay with me here just for a minute. There are two main thoughts here. Okay? Here's the first one. And we're going to go through these quickly and get to the point. The first thing is this. As Adam brought sin into the world, 
Jesus Christ brings the free gift of salvation by the grace of God into the world. Here's another one. Listen to this. As Adam's sin has affected all men, the salvation of Jesus Christ, he says this, it abounds unto many. Now, now watch this. But it is available to all men. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Is everybody catching that? But it abounds to many. Yeah, we'll preach on that here in just a minute. Watch this though. Look at verse number 16. Okay? He says this, and, and, not, and not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the, the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. So, so here's, here's the two thoughts that are in this verse. You ready? All right, here's the first one. Where Adam's one sin brought the condemnation and judgment of Almighty God, the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ brings justification. Just as if I'd never sinned. Here, here's another one. Here, here's the other thought. It was only through Adam that sin was brought into the world. Just like it's only through Jesus Christ that man can be saved. There, there's only one God and one mediator between God and man, and that's the man Christ Jesus. Uh, no, no, you, you're not going to come to Mary and be redeemed this morning. And you're not going to come to the Pope. He can't save you. He's a wicked sinner. and needs to be saved like anybody else. I, I'm telling you, that, I can't save you. Not the pastor. Not the deacons. No, nobody else. No, no works. No, none of that stuff. My friend, you've got you to humble yourself and come to Jesus Christ. Listen, we can sit here and list all the names of major religious men down through the ages, friend. Uh, some that were standing on the truth. Some that very much were not standing on the truth. But you need to listen to this. All of those are dead and in the ground. There's only one that rose from the dead, all right, conquering death and hell, and has the authority and power to give you and me eternal life. And His name is Jesus Christ. That's the only person that can save us this morning. Somebody say amen. I'm just telling you. But notice in verse number 17 here. Notice the last thing. He says this. He says, for if by one man's offense, death reigned, reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. So as we've already seen because of Adam's sin, death has reigned upon all men. But here's what Paul says, but Jesus Christ conquered death and hell. Therefore, we who receive him as our Savior shall reign with him in eternal life. Man, that's good. I don't know how some of you guys sit there and just kind of... I mean, that's exciting, isn't it? To get to reign with Jesus Christ. probably Mercy. It's really, if I could say it like this, it's, it's the antidote for man's sin. Did you, did you know, and I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about that word antidote. Did you, did you know this, that that doctors, doctors will use the poison from the same snake that bit you to cure the ant bite or to cure the snake bite. 
Did you know that? Now, I'm, I'm just saying in case you ever get snake bit. I'm not. I'm running. So if me and you are together, you're getting bit because I will outrun you. Do you know this? God did the same thing, spiritually speaking, to the children of Israel. When they started murmuring and complaining, God sent fiery serpents among them. And when they finally humbled themselves and repented and came back to Moses, God said, won't you make a brass serpent and hold it up on a pole? And everybody that looks can live. And then Jesus would come on the scene. And he would say this, and as, Moses, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. Amen. Come on, man. Come on. Grab, grab a hold of that and chew on that for a minute. See, Jesus is the antidote for the fall of man. Listen to this. Where Adam brought sin into the world, listen to this. God came into the world into the form of Jesus Christ. And died and shed his blood on the cross of Calvary for you and me. So that we could be saved. The payment's already been made. It's like Lester Hudson said all I got to do is accept the payment. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus. Shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Okay, preacher, what, well, what's the outcome? Well, I'm glad you asked. Look at the last part here. Look at verse number 18. Look at how it starts out with therefore, meaning this. It's a conclusive thought here. All right? And so you understand, man is a sinner headed to death and the judgment of God. God's given us the antidote in Jesus Christ. And man simply needs to stop looking for loopholes and making excuses and really just humble himself and come to Jesus Christ by faith. And when he does, here's what Paul says happens. Now go down to verse number 19. Because let's kind of do this backwards just because I'm kind of that way. But look at verse number 19. It says, For as by one man's sins, by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. So here's what he's saying. He's saying Adam's disobedience makes us all sinners, okay? However, the obedience of Jesus Christ can make, can make many righteous. So again, no, notice it. He, he can make all righteous, but the word many is used here because unfortunately not all receive the payment of Jesus Christ. They don't come to Him by faith. But when you do, watch this, when you do, when you come to Him by faith, you receive, you receive Jesus Christ. You receive His righteousness. Come on, friend. Remember Romans 4 and Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness? And what does it say in 2 Corinthians 5, 21? For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That when you receive, when you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior, you receive His righteousness. And so when God looks upon you, He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Now here's why that's so necessary. Go back up to verse number 18 because it says, Therefore, as by the offense of one judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men 
unto justification of life. And so we're made righteous in Jesus Christ. And then where Adam brought sin into the world, sin brings condemnation and judgment. But Christ brings the free gift of salvation. And salvation gives us His righteousness. And His righteousness allows us to be justified before God. And you just get eternal life out of the deal. Don't get too fired up this morning. And Past sin, it's gone. Even your present sin and your future sin. It's all under the blood of Jesus Christ. It's all done away with. And all He does is see the righteousness of His Son when He looks upon us. How incredible is that? I said, wait, wait, wait a minute, preacher. This, this is Adam to Moses. What, what about the law? No man can keep the law. Well, look at what he says in verse 20. He says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. (laughs) But where sin abounded, oh, listen, grace did much more abound. (laughs) It's still forgiven. And the end result is verse number 21. Listen to this. Look at what he says. He says, That as sin hath reigned uh, unto death, Well, if you're saved, listen to this. Even so, might grace reign through the righteousness, through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. You know, I, I, I'm just I'm thankful I'm saved this morning, and I, I really love rejoicing in my salvation. I, I, I hope that you are as well. Be a fact, as, I, as you and I kind of finish this chapter out, I, I really, as, as I, even as I went through all of this, I just, I stepped back, and, and this, is, this is really just the two simple things that I thought about. And, and the first one is this. Listen, if there's been a time and place in your life where you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and, and, and He is your Savior this morning, your, your sin is completely forgiven. It's completely forgiven. And I know this from my own personal life and spiritual battles. Sometimes we struggle with guilt. And what I'm saying to you this morning is this, is that according to this passage, if you've been saved, my friend, you need to let guilt go. You you need to understand the love that God has for you. And and you, listen, you, you need to let the guilt go and understand that all your sin has been forgiven and, and you need to learn to rejoice and have joy in your salvation. Because you know what? Death is going to pass upon all of us. But if you're saved, listen, death is not the end. Listen, for the lost man, this is as good as it's going to get in this world. But for the saved, oh my, we got something far better to look forward to. And my friend, I'm telling you, we we need to rejoice in that and have joy in that and think about those things and let our mind dwell upon those things when the gospel and things like this are given from the Word of God. But I also can't help but to think of the word many.
You know, this justification of life, it's abounded unto many. The truth of the matter is, it's available to all. But you know why it's only abounded to the many? It's because we sit back and ignore our need for the gospel. And we look for loopholes. We try to plead ignorance. Or have excuses and shift the blame and make ourselves out to be the victim. When God's saying this, this morning, I love you. It's extended to you. And I want you to be saved. And what I'm saying to you this morning is this. Have you been justified? (laughs) Have you called upon the name of the Lord to be saved? Because my friend, if not, today is the day of salvation. You need to know Christ is your Savior. And He loves you and He wants you to be saved. Let's all stand this morning.